Uh, me too. Okay. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough out of you. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating LGBTQ plus pop culture. That's not, that's not that's it. Not that's right. not the line. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. Welcome to One More Thing. Nope, that's no. not it. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Robert. And I'm Jay. Ooh, that, <laughs> that sounds, sounds weird. weird. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm, I'm... nope. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating pop culture through an LGBTQ plus lens. We did it. Okay. This is our second ever very special episode. We did one first season on body issues. Today's very special episode is about the Me Too movement and its relation to the LGBTQ plus community. So just to get out ahead of it, general content warning for this whole episode, we're gonna be talking about sexual assault and sexual harassment. So if that is something that you struggle with, if you decide you don't wanna listen to this episode, that's fine, download it anyway. Because every download counts. This was maybe one of the first ideas that we had for the season was to do an episode about this. But then every time that we went to go record it and release it, something new would happen. And so we had to keep pushing it. And so I'm glad that there's finally a lull, at least. What day are we recording this? We're recording this on Thursday. It comes out on Monday. If something happens this weekend, we'll talk about it in one last thing. (laughs) Two things that are really important to us about this are that we don't want to beat a dead horse. Right. And we also, everyone knows the backstory of like what's been going on in the Me Too movement. So we're not going to explain all of that for you. It's weird because I think that this is one of the first things that our generation will have lived through where every single person knows what's happening. Yes. To different degrees, depending on how much they wanted to know about it. But like when you say Harvey Weinstein, there is not a person in the country, at least the country, that does not know what's going on. Totally. And we also obviously are an LGBTQ plus (laughs) podcast. So we're only going to be talking about those angles of it Mm -hmm. because we could talk for like and have talked for many hours to each other about Louis C.K., Harvey Weinstein, all the other horrible straights. But we are going to be focusing in on the queer and trans angles of it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, let's just do it. Let's just get into it. Have you ever been at CVS? (laughs) All the time. And you swipe your card and it's like, would you like to donate a dollar, five dollars, whatever, to XYZ fund? And you're like, no, not this time. You know what you can do? You can take that one, five dollars, whatever it is that you're not giving to CVS and give it to us for one dollar. Don't give it to orphans. No. You know who needs it? Not Annie. (laughs) For one dollar, you can get us talking about shit that we don't talk about on here. For $5, you can get maybe some Leah Michelle videos. Yeah, that's true. Our $5 Patreon subscribers were the first ones to get our Leah Michelle videos. Yeah, you can watch us doing things that is too inappropriate for us to put anywhere else. No, I don't like that. That sounds like we put a sex tape on Patreon. True. For $1,000, you can get some nudes. That's reasonable. I know. Head on over to patreon.com slash one more thing and, uh, drop us some money and we'll be bringing it to you this season in some pretty cool ways. 
let's start with our arch nemesis. Kevin Spacey? It was one of the first ones that was truly an open secret. I mean, you and I knew, and we are not Hollywood insiders. And there were jokes about it on difficult people all the time. People would make jokes about it on Twitter when he hosted the Tonys last year, by the way. He made jokes about it on the Tonys. And we used to end every episode of One Last Thing with, has Kevin Spacey come out yet? As like a little bit, because we never thought it would happen. And if it did happen, that it would be a positive, like, right. oh, great. Like, he's finally comfortable enough to come out, even though he sat next to a younger boy at the Oscars. Right. And then he came out in a way that made us decide that it would be better to go back and edit our old One Last Thing episodes and cut that out and issue a statement on it. You can go back and find that. If- and while you're there, follow us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> follow us, rate us, review us, yeah. you know, the whole thing. But it was interesting because it was, I'd say, the second high-profile Me Too, like, outing. Do you mean like forcing someone to come out of the closet? No, like sexual harassment outing. Right, okay. Because there was like Harvey Weinstein and then there were maybe like a couple of other sprinklings of people that were lower and then it was like Kevin Spacey. And I came to you and was like, everyone's talking about in the media how Kevin Spacey sexually harassed all of these people but it was never really considered a gay case. It was kind of just like in line with Harvey Weinstein. Right. I thought that that was wrong. I think a lot of well-meaning straight people are like, there's no difference between a man harassing a woman and a man harassing a man. All sexual harassment is the same. And it's like, that's actually not true based on like the history of, you know, violence in the queer and trans community. (laughs) And (laughs) speaking of that, a lot of, there was this response that went viral that someone named Megan Dietz posted on Facebook. She said, interesting how one man accuses Kevin Spacey and immediately everyone believes him and takes KS's, which by the way, you know, a straight person wrote that because she referred to him as KS without (laughs) understanding like the connection uh-huh. takes his TV show away and decries what a terrible asshole he is and all of that happens in a day. Meanwhile, dozens of women had to accuse Cosby or Weinstein over the course of decades before anyone took notice and dozens of women have accused Trump and he's the GDMFing president. All caps, what if we believed women like that, eh? I get that straight people are trying. <laughs> Deborah Messing among other <laughs> celebrities retweeted this. I think uh-huh. that's just important to know and I know that none of the people with this response hold any active ill will towards members of the LGBTQ plus community. But what this erases is the fact that like Kevin Spacey was demonized in such a quick and he was like mobbed in a way that a lot of other celebrities haven't been because of homophobia. (laughs) Yeah, I think it has a huge thing to do with House of Cards. Totally. Because everybody watches that show. I don't. Well, It's not your thing. <laughs> He's one of those people that's like been in everybody's minds as like one of the greatest actors of all time who's straight and he was in American Beauty, which yeah. is literally one of the most famous American made movies of all time. Totally. Where he plays a man who is interested in a younger woman. He's in The Usual Suspects, which is like one of the most famous movies. Yep. Oh, who is he? Where it's, he's the killer. The Usual What's Suspects. What's in the box? Um, Seven? Yes. He's in Seven? Yeah. Spoiler alert. If you've never seen Seven, the the entire thing is he's like in the movie and then at the end it's like, oh, Kevin Spacey's the killer. Are you sure that's not The Usual Suspects? Because that's the plot of The Usual Suspects. No, it's the one with like, what is it? Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. Right. That's end? Seven. Yeah. But in The Usual Suspects, he's also in the movie the whole time. And at the end, you find how he's the killer. What's the one where he like walks down a staircase and you see like kind of the side of his that's face? That's The Usual Suspects. Who's the killer in Seven? <laughs> 
keep talking about what you're talking about and I'll look this up. Hold on. I don't want to say that he's a straight role model. It's like Robert De Niro. Like he's like, a, he's like a 90s straight yeah. icon. And so for people to not only find out that he has sexually harassed anybody, but also that it is men, it brings that like, I'm not homophobic. He's the killer in both. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Also, there's this other thing that I was trying to um, grapple with during all of it, where I was like, basically everything that makes up someone who is closeted and feels like this is the only way that they have um, to express any kind of feeling about this at all is to do this kind of thing. And there was a small part of me, admittedly, that was like, "Ah, maybe he did that because that was all he felt. And I wish that he maybe never felt that way. But the other part of me was like, well, he still did it. So I like, it's not a defense. No, I know what you mean. It's really, really hard when an incredibly high-profile actor could have done so much good by coming out of his own volition, dealing with his sexual impulses in a healthy way and not, you know, ruining the lives of these young men and saying, like, look, I can be this cool movie star and also be gay. And instead, what happens is that he is forced out of the closet and plays into the equation people make of gay men and pedophilia. Do you think that he stayed closeted because he knew if he did come out that people would come forward? I think probably at the beginning of his career he didn't come out because he was coming up in a time when it was less mm-hmm. acceptable for a gay man to be a movie star. And then I think probably eventually he was like, I have made enough regrettable choices and I'm sure he knew the way people talked about him. Like, I'm sure he saw the jokes and the tweets and was like, I'm just not gonna come out then because if I say that I am gay, people will dissect my relationship history and will find out that I've had these affairs. Everybody that has been accused, their reaction to being accused has been the most important part of what happens. Right. Because you look at Louis C.K. and Louis C.K.'s reaction was perfect. Yeah. He was basically like, oh, you're right, I fucked up, I need to go fix what's going on, I totally will take whatever you throw at me. And he left. Yep, that's exactly what needed to happen in that situation. But Kevin Spacey released the statement where he was like, great, and now I'm free to live as like an openly gay man. Yeah, he didn't acknowledge that anything he did was wrong or inappropriate. Or that it happened. Right. Because he was like, oh, I don't remember that, or I don't believe that that ever happened. Yeah. It kind of made me go, oh, so you are now using your celebrity status to put Anthony Rapp, who is nowhere near on your level, down and using this statement to possibly bring yourself up in this community and kind of ride on top of it. But I loved that the entire gay community, especially gay celebrities, was like, like, smacked it down. you. Zachary Quinto said, it is deeply sad and troubling that this is how Kevin Spacey has chosen to come out. Not by standing up as a point of pride in the light of all his many awards and accomplishments, thus inspiring tens of thousands of struggling LGBTQ kids around the world, but as a calculated manipulation to deflect attention from the very serious accusation that he attempted to molest one. I am sorry to hear of Anthony Rapp's experience and subsequent suffering, and I'm sorry that Kevin only saw fit to acknowledge his truth when he thought it would serve him, just as his denial served him for so many years. May Anthony Rapp's voice be the one which is amplified here. Victims' voices are the ones that deserve to be heard. And so, here's where my, like, thesis statement for all of this is. I did a lot of research that we don't really need to get into because it's lists and lists and lists, but when all of this came out, there were maybe one or two news sources, some of them just being, like, BuzzFeed, that were like, oh, maybe we 
we should look into like yeah. men being sexually harassed totally. in all communities. And in most, not all cases, it was straight men being harassed. But in a lot of cases, it was not. And the same thing keeps happening where it's a gay man harassing other younger gay men. But at the same time, all of the Me Too stuff was happening and the award shows was happening and like the big countdown to the Me Too release with all right. the actresses was going on. And I was sitting here like, great. The two biggest people in this conversation right now are Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein. One of them is gay and that is not on anybody. Totally. Like no one is talking about yeah. it. And I was like, this is either something that people don't think is hot enough, not hot sexually, but right. like a hot button topic enough to talk about. Or are we just going to totally black out that part of it? Use Kevin Spacey's name as a, like a buzzword, but we're only really going to talk about Harvey Weinstein. And it made me so mad. That season on the red carpet, all of the women that were wearing black, which right. was so amazing and supportive of each other, they were being asked on the red carpet all of these Me Too questions. And it made me as a gay man watching it going, okay, so if I am ever sexually harassed, God forbid, I will not be able to go to Me Too because I am They're a, a man. movement, right. And I'm very much not included, which... I know if we had someone from Me Too sitting here, they would probably, like, be able to back themselves up and Right, but it's not it a central me. part of their platform. Exactly. So I know what you mean. It makes me upset because then it's like, okay, great. Well, then what are you doing for everyone else? Right. And in that, what are you doing for the trans community that has been going through this for such a long time? Yeah. <laughs> where it's almost built into the culture. Right. What do you make of the Kevin Spacey thing? Oh, it's terrible. It's just a great, just actor. A great actor. And it's a real... It's a sad, um, a sad moment. I feel, I feel horrible. It's horrible that he would abuse his celebrity that way and, and abuse. Did you have any inkling when you worked with him? No, no. I mean, you know, you always hear uh, hmm. rumors about people. I think what I always knew is that he was uh, had been gay but was not willing yeah. to come out. Everyone that's the that's knew. everyone knew that story. That was uh, the one thing that I knew, but I didn't. Wasn't privy to all that kind of sad. It's really sad. Let's quickly touch on all the money in the world, right? To wrap up this Kevin Spacey Mm -hmm. segment, which we saw. All the money in the world, for people who don't know, is literally one of the craziest Hollywood stories of all time. Yeah, there will certainly one day be books and movies made about the creation of this movie. So basically, what happened? And I will direct the making (laughs) of the film. Basically, what happened was all the money in the world was this movie starring Michelle Williams. Mark Wahlberg and Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. about the kidnapping of that guy. Kevin Spacey played like J. Paul Getty, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. And they had finished the movie. It was done. And then the Kevin Spacey news came out and Ridley Scott was like, okay, listen, I know all the money in the world is coming out in one month, but I'm going to fucking cut Kevin Spacey out of it. So in two weeks, he reshot with Christopher Plummer all of Kevin Spacey's scenes and re-edited it so that Christopher Plummer would play the Kevin Spacey role. And then... On top of that, it was found out that Mark Wahlberg made, like, millions of dollars for the reshoots, and Michelle Williams got, like, an $80 a day stipend or something. It was sort of a, first of all, like, a crazy confluence of circumstances, like, the fact that everything was happening at once. But it also, I was a little bit annoyed that the Michelle Williams conversation sort of took away from the Kevin Spacey conversation and the conversation of Ridley Scott setting a great example for filmmakers of what you do. The first time that I read the article, I will never forget it 
because it was like, oh, and you decided to not push the release date. I was like, oh, well, it's probably not for a couple months anyway. And then I was like, oh, no, it's coming out very soon. Uh, And then in New York, there are like digital sidewalk Mm -hmm. charging stations with posters that digitally appear and disappear. And all the posters suddenly went from just like a normal cast picture to only Michelle Williams in like the crowd of people. And we were both like, oh, clocked. Okay. The Michelle Williams thing made me mad for two reasons. One of which you already stated. The other one was that not standing up for anybody in that situation because y'all are making more money than me anyway. Yeah. But the thing that I think that people forget is that I, one, don't know if they knew about each other because I also don't think that Mark knew that she was taking the $80 a day because she was giving the rest of it to the shoot because she was trying to like forward the cause and also never said anything about it. There was never a moment where they were like, and Michelle Williams is going to only take $80 a day as a stipend to get her through this because she believes in the cause. It was very much just something that happened and Michelle Williams was for it, which I, one, thought was amazing, that it wasn't like a publicity stunt. It only became a publicity stunt (laughs) when people found out about it and it's such a hot button topic. Well, and an actor friend of mine was saying like, if I was in Michelle Williams' situation, I wouldn't be mad at Mark Wahlberg because how was Mark Wahlberg supposed to know? And people were like, Mark Wahlberg should give his money to charity. And I was like, no, Michelle Williams should get more money. Yeah, the whole situation was bullshit because even then when he donated the money in her name, everyone was like, right, but he's still going to be able to write it off on his taxes. Yeah. I mean, the agents are to blame. Yeah. Because if I was her agent, I would be like, no, Michelle Williams is going to get more than a fucking like $80 a day stipend to reshoot this huge budget movie. Well, no, that's the thing is that that's what she wanted. In her statement where she thanked Anthony Rapp, which I thought was very interesting, is she's like, that's all I thought that she doesn't need the money. She has the greatest showman coming up. But Mark Wahlberg um, apparently does. It's also not his fault for asking for that money. Yeah. That's what I just want to get across is that the fact that he asked for millions of dollars is not the issue. And the fact that she only got $80 is also not the issue. The issue is something completely different that people put onto this case. And then it distracted from what was actually going on, which was the wildest acting ever. (laughs) So we saw all the money in the world and we hadn't been planning to see it. But then as soon as this happened, we were like, well, we're going opening day. We were probably going to see it because it was Oscar nominated. Well, we weren't going to pay for it because we didn't support Kevin Spacey anyway. So we were going to pay for another movie and see that one instead. (laughs) Don't pretend you've never done it. (laughs) We weren't going to sneak in. We were going to like buy tickets to probably Pitch Perfect 3 and like go see all the money in the world instead. But we saw it. And we purposely gave it our money. Yeah. And I tried to get across to my mom after we saw it how seamless Mm -hmm. it is. I think the fun part for us was picking out where the reshoots were. Yeah. My favorite. And I know we'll get to the Sahara scene, but like there was a scene when the family first meets the character that Christopher Plummer played. And it was very clear because of the children, because they did not include the children in any of the reshoots. I assume for age. Probably. But it would be like every shot that was just of the family, the kids were there. Yeah. And then any shot that was Christopher Plummer with the family, it was only the parents. Yeah, the kids were like in the other room. (laughs) Yep. With absolutely no descriptor of where the kids had gone. And then they just like be there. And I was like, oh, wonderful. (laughs) But also Christopher Plummer is really good in that movie. And he got nominated for an Oscar. And I honestly don't think it's just because of the like craziness. It's because it's a really fucking good performance. I think it's probably 10% because of the craziness. But it is. One of the first things we said when we walked out was like, we forgot how good of an actor Christopher Plummer was. Okay, the Sahara Desert scene. Yes. So I've seen CG animation before. (laughs) Yeah. And I've seen... Green screen. Green screen. We've all seen Mary Poppins. Yeah. Where they're like in the cartoon. I have never seen (laughs) one actor 
digitally placed over top of another actor. <laughs> so funny. Especially since we've seen that clip in trailers yes. before of him like slowly walking around the Sahara Desert. And that scene is very early in the movie. Yeah. But they basically drag and dropped him over it. There's and you a know seam what? around him. Doesn't look bad. It doesn't. You and I both were like, this is hilarious. And then we kept watching it. We were like, it's actually not bad. I think they decided to put that there's like a weird gloss on it and yeah. it's almost like Instagram filter. It's like hazy. Yeah. And I think that that was there beforehand. So that scene kind of lended itself where they were like, you know what? We maybe don't have the budget to go back to the Sahara Desert and reshoot this scene. So I guess we'll just cut him over top of it and then just like gloss it over a little bit. So Harvey was on earth there. I thought, "Uh uh-oh, we're going into the crucible here. (laughs) And I thought this is going to really open everything up. And I knew when it was soon as it hit Kevin, it was going to blow wide open. And I immediately contacted my partner saying, we should recast this right now, reshoot right now, we'll be out for the same day. How scary was it, though, recasting this, shooting, making all the calls to tell everybody, once, once we're going to do this again? Once, I, once I've got his agreement, everything else is a matter of efficiency. So I go back to my hotel for lunch, and Ridley Scott is sitting at my dining room table. He tells me what he's doing, and I was like, well, first and foremost, as long as we're making sure that the respect and sensitivity is shown to the victims here. And then also he wanted to make sure they honored everybody else's work. I mean, you have all these artists that worked on this movie, Mm -hmm. um, and he wanted to make sure that their work was seen. And so he said he was going to reshoot the movie. So I said, okay, well, cancel Thanksgiving. I walked on the set, and I met Chris that day. He was already in wardrobe and makeup in front of the camera. We said Mm -hmm. hello, literally, in front of the camera as Ridley was saying, rolling. And we started shooting. Today, there was an announcement that he's back. Doing what? His new movie comes out next month. His new movie doing what? The last movie he filmed before. So he was oh, he got kicked off oh. of House of Cards and he's not the president anymore. But <laughs> he... If only. I know. So the last movie he finished filming before the news broke was called Billionaire Boys Club. And it's him and <laughs> sure. Ansel Elgort. You all oh, know. Oh, I love... Okay. They were about to close the deal, and then the allegations came out, and so they, like, pulled it, and now it's coming out July 19th. One of the actors in it said, it's time for him to reappear on the big screen. People have such short memories, and Spacey is almost unrecognizable in a beard and glasses. So, (laughs) so, there's more. It also features Suki Waterhouse. Who's that? She's a model. Okay. Carrie L.L.L.'s. Sure. As Andy Warhol. What? And then Billy Lord and Emma Roberts. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I knew about this movie. I didn't know Kevin Spacey was in it. I forgot about it. And then I was like, Billionaire Boys Club, that sounds familiar. And I was scrolling and it was like, also features Emma Roberts, Billy Lord. And I was like, oh, no. So listeners, we will be seeing this film. Certainly. And we will report back. Please do not see this film. Do not see this movie. We are not going to pay to see this movie. We're going to give our money. We'll see what's playing then. And we'll give our money to to like some gay movie instead. But we will give a full report on this film. We will have a full like hour long one last thing. (laughs) About this That we will record shortly after we see this movie. I have never been more excited for something in my life. What I need to know is are Emma and Billy going to promote it? Because it will be terrible for their brands. Is it being distributed to theaters or is it just being... Theaters. I bet that there is no press. I would not be surprised. Like, I bet that the production company just puts it out, says nothing about it, and lets it die. I'm from Wall Street. Do you think people really get rich playing by the rules? Where's the money? There was never any money. Ron had a fake account. 
Ron Levin burnt me down, Sid. What would you do to make him give us our money back? Sometimes the truth is the best lie. Jeffrey Tambor. Ugh. Jeffrey Tambor has been the reason that this episode has been so delayed because things are constantly He just keeps evolving. doing things. What he should have done was go away and never come back. Yes. But what he did instead was come back guns a-blazing. <laughs> very, very basically, and you can obviously read more about yeah. this, Jeffrey Tambor was accused by his former assistant Van Barnes and actress and big crush of mine, Trace Lizette. Both of them said that he acted inappropriately towards them on the set of Transparent and sexually harassed them. He he was then let go from Transparent and the fourth season, fifth season, sixth season, ne- the next season was postponed indefinitely so that they could write him off of it. So he said, I am profoundly disappointed in Amazon's handling of these false accusations against me. I am even more disappointed in Jill Soloway's unfair characterization of me as someone who would ever cause any harm to my fellow castmates. Jill Soloway says, I have great respect and admiration for Van Barnes and Trace Lizette, whose courage in speaking out about their experience on Transparent is an example of the leadership that this moment in our culture requires. Jeffrey says, in our four-year history of working together on this incredible show, these accusations have never been revealed or discussed directly with me or anyone at Amazon. Therefore, I can only surmise that the investigation against me was deeply flawed and biased toward the toxic, politicized atmosphere that afflicted our set. As I have consistently stated, I deeply regret if any action of mine was ever misinterpreted by anyone, and I will continue to vehemently defend myself. I also deeply regret that this groundbreaking show, which changed so many lives, is now in jeopardy. That, to me, is the biggest heartbreak. Jill says, we are grateful to the many trans people who have supported our vision for Transparent since its inception and remain heartbroken about the pain and mistrust their experience has generated in our community. We are taking definitive action to ensure our workplace respects the safety and dignity of every individual and are taking steps to heal as a family. So then Hollywood Reporter profile comes out basically saying, did he really do anything wrong? And then a week later, the Arrested Development interview happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to put a clip of the Arrested Development interview because it's really, really hard to listen to. And I don't want to subject anyone to that. But basically what happened was Jessica Walter brought up an incident in which he repeatedly screamed at her and harassed her. And she felt deeply unsafe and uncomfortable. And Jason Bateman and Tony Hale and David Cross basically say to her, like, well, that's just what being an actor is. Like, that happens. He didn't do anything wrong. And Alia Shaka stands up for her and says, no, it was wrong. I regret not saying anything, but I was a child. They basically like bully her until she cries. But he was immediately canceled by the whole internet when that happened. Mm -hmm. And people were like, that's it. He's done. He's canceled. No more Jeffrey Tambor ever, which was very painful for a lot of trans women to see, especially Trace Lizette and Van Barnes, who both have lost job opportunities because of speaking out against him. And to see that their accusations against him sort of meant nothing to people. But then the Jessica Walter situation, everyone was like, oh, well, yeah, he's canceled. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us were like, well, he's been canceled. You just weren't listening because his accusers were like low-profile trans women. When all of that happened at the very end of it, the through line that I found was in the case of Kevin Spacey, the case of Dustin Hoffman. All of them were like, but I'm this, so how can you be mad at me about that? Totally. Because Dustin Hoffman was like, I was in Tootsie, so like, you can't be mad at me now. And Kevin Spacey was like, but I'm gay, so don't be mad at me now. And in this, he was like, but I'm in Transparent. 
So yeah. like, you can't be mad at me. In this case specifically, I was like, well, actually, it gives me a case to be more mad at you. Right. Because you stood for so many trans women. Yeah. Or and trans people, especially since the show was so popular. And it was up until Pose, the most trans-staffed TV show. Yeah. Even though Jeffrey Tambor himself is not trans. Like, he put in a lot of work for the trans community. Yeah. That just is, is completely now... invalidated. We've talked on this show before about how much we liked him and how mm-hmm. we thought he was really like a very good ally to the trans community. And he just, as it turns out, was lying. <laughs> yeah. It really sucks that the basically one example of the trans community being shown on screen has now been demolished, as well as what could have been Kevin Spacey's biggest turnaround was also demolished. And now the LGBT community is just not doing well. <laughs> yeah. And like thrown by the wayside once again. And the same thing happened where everyone was like Jeffrey Tambor sexually harassed people, but it was completely thrown to the side. Exactly. That, yeah. That it was with trans women and that he was playing a trans woman on a TV show. And again, erasing the long, complex, and very different history of violence perpetrated by straight cis men against trans women. Mm -hmm. Harassment from a straight cis man towards a trans woman is a completely different situation. It has almost nothing in common with harassment from a straight cis man to a cis woman. It's not only about power, it's also about hatred. And like humanity. There's a difference between not seeing a cis woman as human and not seeing a trans woman as human. And there's like historical context that a lot of people erase. Then it becomes the question of like, he's this person who has done so much good work. Do we just scrap that and pretend none of it ever happened? Or do we accept and acknowledge his role in Transparent as an important step for trans representation and an important moment in culture? Or do we just say like, well, he was useless the whole time? Our bae, Stephen Colbert, had Billy Crystal on and was like, do we stop watching The Cosby Show, even though all of this stuff is going on? Because The Cosby Show was such a huge thing for Black communities and Black families on television and was also just like a great show. And a big thing for raven Simone. Yeah. And Billy Crystal was basically like, no, we should keep watching it. Like, it's funny. And Stephen Colbert was like, he didn't say this at the time, but it has come out in later interviews, that he was like, we have so many family dramas now that aren't just white people that I think we can like acknowledge that the Cosby show was great while it lasted and now put it to the side and move on. And I think that's how I at least feel with Transparent where I'm like, you know what? And now we have Pose, which does basically the same thing. We have something to rely on now where if Pose wasn't here, I don't know if I would feel differently or or not, actually. It's a position of immense privilege to be able to, like, watch Jeffrey Tambor on screen and not think about the harassment. And I think people who are like, and the same thing for Bill Cosby, who are like, well, we can just watch it and, like, separate the art from the artist. Mm -hmm. I've always thought that's, like, an incredibly privileged thing to say, to be able to watch a man in almost every case who has perpetrated crimes against women and be like, yeah, but he's still like a good artist. Mm -hmm. That comes from a place of never having had to deal with that sort of harassment and violence and abuse. And like I know for me, I had not watched the new season of Transparent before the allegations came out and I will not watch Mm -hmm. it because I can't look at Jeffrey Tambor without imagining the things that Trace Lizette said 
he did to her. This season was focused on Jeffrey Tambor's character being haunted by himself as a younger woman who was played by a trans woman. Right. And I was like, oh, it's actually like a seamless transition where then they can just have a trans woman totally. play the role and move on as if nothing happened because it was kind of built up in the plot. Everyone watching it would be like, great, cool. Yeah. It not only changed because of that, but also it makes sense with the plot. But then production was like halted and I don't think they're really ever going to go back to it. Maybe if Pose becomes like the best big thing, Amazon will turn back to Jill Soloway and be like, give us a new show yeah. or figure something out. They also could very easily do a spinoff of just Gabby Hoffman's character because in the last two seasons, it came out that like Gabby's character may also be trans, which would give Jill Soloway a great platform. I mean, historically, trans women have always been sexualized, overly sexualized, and um, you know, oftentimes our word doesn't carry as much weight. Um, and so it's encouraging to see that I was heard and believed and supported. Look, I did what was for right, what was right for me with what, with what occurred to me and my body. And um, I've never made decisions out of fear. Uh, I've always been uh, a fighter and a survivor. Um, and so the outpouring of support from the public was very reaffirming to me. Um, and it was very tough, but that made it a little bit better. One thing that I think is interesting about the entire movement is that it was so fast. It was kind of this weird, surreal thing where I was like, the entire entertainment world is changing on a dime yeah, it's at any given moment. so fast. You know how everyone's like, the day that you see, you know, Julie Andrews trending, everyone gets nervous yeah. that she's dead. But it was that for literally everybody. Oh, yeah. I would like wake up in the morning and see a bunch of names trending and be like, okay. Mm -hmm. And, like, go through them one by one and be like, what did this person do? What did this person do? And you would have to, like... There was one instance that confused me because George Takei was trending. And I had expected that it was just because of the Star Trek revival... Me too. ...that was out at the time and is still doing great, starring yeah. Anthony Rapp. And then um, that wasn't the case. Yeah, so this was a really weird situation that we're not going to spend too much time on because it's still not 100% clear what is going on. So, basically, a man whose name we're not going to use for reasons that will become clear later in the story, mm -hmm. went public with an accusation of assault by George Takei. And then everyone sort of expected more accusations to come because that's what had been happening. And nothing ever did. And then George Takei on Twitter said, this is the Russians. Bots are coming after me. And I was on the bus when I read that tweet and I was like, uh... It's weird because at the time I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And now I'm like, Okay, well... Yeah. Recently, the man walked his story back in an article. He was basically like, yeah, I guess it wasn't really assault. It was just sort of like he asked if I wanted to hook up and I said no. And then that was that. And I like told it as a story and it got blown out of proportion. And then like, I don't know. And then the part of the article that stuck out to me was he was like, he wasn't really my type. You know, I was like a hot beach guy and he was Asian. And then he like kept going and I was like, let's rewind <laughs> real quick. <laughs> and come back to that instance of racism. <laughs> no one really knows what's going on with George Takei. It leads me to something that I've talked to you about on the side is that my biggest problem with this entire movement is there's no check-in after. That it's like, oh great, all of these things are happening. But like then what? Like where are we with Kevin Spacey right now? Well, now we know. Now we know. But um, <laughs> I still don't know what he's doing. I right. mean, I know that 
Harvey Weinstein, like, just got sued by, like, the state of New York. And he's going to jail. Yeah. But, like, there were how many accusations that were made over that season? With George Takei, maybe the two of them or their or their lawyers or something got together and figured it out, but then never felt the need to tell anybody. But I'm here to say you have right. generations you have and generations base. of Star Trek fans that need this information yeah. because they want to be behind it and to cancel things on the internet and yeah. to support and watch other people's stuff. I would hate for it to be like, oh, Dustin Hoffman was accused and then nothing ever happened and everyone right. moved on because that just defeats the entire purpose. Okay, so I know that you're listening. <laughs> Don't fast forward through this because this is an important message from Robert and Jay. He didn't tell me what he was going to say beforehand, so I don't know where this is going. We need you to do something. <laughs> Open Instagram, go to the search, and type in one more thang with an A because I was taken, and follow us on Instagram. We need you to do this because we need to be celebrities. <laughs> and the only way to do this is with your help. Now go to Twitter, open the search, and type in, once again, one more thang with an A because I was taken. And, oh, we didn't say to hit follow. Oh! Then hit follow on Twitter. We have so much content on there that you need to be paying attention to. Twitter is all about the news, really. And our Instagram is all about recaps and hot or nots. Pictures of Sia with yeah. her Tuesday Pictures book club. Pictures of my cat with books. And all sorts of stuff. So help us out. Go to social media. All right, back to the episode. you take this because you feel very strong about this. I hate Rose McGowan. I have only experienced her three times in my life. Once in one of my favorite movies, Jawbreaker, Mm -hmm. in my once favorite television show, Once Upon a Time, and in Charm. Obviously. Where she, you know, took over for Shannon Doherty. And then all of a sudden you were like, well, I hate Rose McGowan. And I was like, why? And did research and was like, hmm. (laughs) First of all, why are we talking about her in this episode? If you don't know the answer... Literally just Google Rose McGowan. She had an article come out yesterday. Did you read it? I read the headline. That she got indicted for possession of cocaine. Nope. I uh, did not know that. Yeah. She's now going to jail. The article that I saw, the headline was like, Rose McGowan believes that Harvey Weinstein is trying to take her down with him. And I was like, I want to read you my favorite headline of all time from The Grapevine. Looks like Rose McGowan is finally getting that oppression she's been looking for. Ah. Shout out to Monique Judge. I think that is the single funniest headline of all time. Why am I a member of the hashtag anti-Rose McGowan club, as I wrote in the outline? First of all, she has multiple times said very homophobic things. Mm -hmm. Most notably, she went on a podcast and was like, gay men are more misogynistic than straight men, which is a point that needs to be discussed. But she said it in a very homophobic way. (laughs) Right. And I was like, yes, amazing. Like, this is a great discussion to have. And then she was like, gay men should die. And I was like, all right. (laughs) So not quite. You know the saying like zero to 100? Yes. I think hers is like zero to like a billion. She's been transphobic. She's been racist. She then became the leader of the movement against Harvey Weinstein. Everyone was like, yes, we love Rose McGowan. And I was kind of like, um, something's going to happen. And then immediately she said that (laughs) the word woman is the same as the N word. (laughs) I actually didn't know that she said that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm learning this uh, for the first time live on air, and I have to say, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Hot take. Like, okay, if you were to take, okay, if you were to take it down 12 notches and separate its usage from the N-word and just say, like, pretend she said the word woman is derogatory, I would still say, no, it's not. (laughs) 
then also let's not forget the N word gets used against black women. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, like no one perpetrates a hate crime against a black woman and calls her a woman in the process. <laughs> they call her the N word. And also, <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> like, we don't even know. have to de- we don't even have to deconstruct why it's not the same. It's just not the same. I want to know in what way people were using the word woman against Rose. Cuz like maybe one time it was used in a derogatory way and well, she went, "Well, that's it, everybody." <laughs> James Corden was making jokes about Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. and she said, "One." <laughs> This is, all caps, this is rich, famous Hollywood white male privilege in action. Replace the word women with the N word. How does it feel? And everyone was like, different. (laughs) (laughs) It feels not the same. (laughs) It feels worse. I'm trying to think of a comparison because that's what I love to do. There literally is not one. It's just. If anybody out there listening to this knows what she means and thinks that they can explain it to us in a way that makes sense, please do not hesitate to eat. Don't post it. Email it to us at number one more thing podcast. It's not even apples and oranges. It's literally apples and DVDs. (laughs) But not, it's like, it's not apples and oranges. It's like apples and the word dyke. Like, like they're just, one is derogatory and one is just a category. Anyway. I don't get Then she got in a screaming match with a trans woman who came, she was doing a book event at the Barnes & Noble in Union Square, which is basically where we are right now. And a trans woman came and was like, Rose, why don't you speak up for trans women? And she started sobbing and was like, fuck you! And had her forcibly removed. And the woman was like, okay. And then people posted about it, and Rose McGowan was like, I did nothing wrong. And trans women were like, you did. And she was like, fuck you! (laughs) Basically, I hate Rose McGowan. I hope she gets the help she needs. Yes. What does Rose identify as? Because I'm like, if you, like, if you're not, if if she, from my knowledge, <laughs> is someone that identifies as a woman. <laughs> like, what is? You're so right. Is she suddenly like trans icon Rose McGowan? Non-binary icon. <laughs> I can't. I can't talk about her anymore. I just. I want to acknowledge the note I put in this as an option for our one more thing this week was we tweet at Rose McGowan and see how long it takes for her to say something homophobic. Well, she's in jail, right? Not yet. Well, we have to hurry. <laughs> I was going to say Rose McGowan if you want to come on the podcast, but I don't want to meet her because she would come in and be like... You know what I would do? I would go to her prison and be on like the other side of the phone. <laughs> like cereal. And we can do the thing where we record the oh phone. Oh my God, we should do cereal with Rose McGowan in prison. I think we can do the thing that we do for one last thing into the phones in the prison. <laughs> this is, it's the cereal music, but it's like an inmate from Litchfield Federal Prison. We should get prison. the woman from cereal on here. Sarah Koenig. Yeah. Cereal <laughs> season three, Rose McGowan in jail. Love it. Where it's just, it's not us trying to figure it out. It's us trying to, one, figure out why woman is derogatory and just talking about her being. Just talking about Rose McGowan. If you guys want to hear a 10-part series on Rose McGowan, (laughs) tweet out one more thing. From her relationship with Marilyn Manson on. Like, we could. I forgot about that. You're right. I have a collect call from... My name is Rose McGowan, and I'm obviously fucking brave. ...an inmate at a San Bernardino County detention facility. Our one more thing this week is the premiere of our Rose McGowan. 
when we were writing the episode, we were like, the last thing we want to do is talk about the victims in, in such a not negative light, but in such a negative context. So our one more thing this week, we'll be talking about that in a good way. You know, the games that we keep playing this year. Yeah. <laughs> so our first game is just what's Anthony wrap up to now? <laughs> you know, Star Trek got renewed, which was Yay. a true shock. And but. it was the first gay kiss in the history of Star Trek. Yep. Anthony has done a lot of great things over his career. He like... He did Rent. Yeah, he did Rent. <laughs> and then he produced a production of Rent like in like Africa or something. I like did he, not know he that. He took it and like basically started a theater community. Are you and serious? used and directed a production of Rent. In South Africa. Yep. You know what? Good for him. And he wrote that book called Without You. But he's been doing some great stuff. I'm really glad that he's still out there. And as we said earlier, Michelle Williams thanked him in her pay speech. Mm-hmm. She said, Anthony Rapp, for all the shoulders you stood on, now we stand on yours. Which I think is sweet. If you didn't know that Anthony Rapp was that guy, she didn't pull that conversation into her statement, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Trace Lizette, one of Jeffrey mm-hmm. Tambor's victims. This was the most fun because this... when I wrote this on here and then gave it to you to edit, you lost your damn I... mind. <laughs> I had to lie down. So Trace Lizette is going to be in a TV movie called Fabled, <laughs> starring, honestly, three gay icons. Gugu Mbatha-Ra, star of San Junipero, gay mm-hmm. icon. Norbert Leo Butts, star of Wicked. Oh, okay. I was wondering. Oh, and Smash. <laughs> and Smash. And number three, Zasha Mamet, currently doing a series with her husband for the human rights campaign. Not sure. <laughs> Both openly straight, mm-hmm. but selling rainbow t-shirts. So mm-hmm. Also being directed by Jennifer Morrison, who... Star of Once, Once Upon a Time. <laughs> friend of Rose McGowan. <laughs> I don't think I've ever understood a trailer less. <laughs> I'm imagining some kind of rehab situation. It, it looks like a psych facility. It also looks like it's Wes Anderson's version of a yeah. psych facility. So congrats to Jennifer Morrison. Can't wait to tune in. Also, Trace was not in the trailer, but yeah. she is confirmed to be in the movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> So that's it for us this week. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to those of you who left for the rest of the episode. All you missed is that we are going to take Rose McGowan down. (laughs) Also, uh, there's a film that came out on Netflix that you can go watch. I haven't seen it, but I watched the trailer and I was like, wow, I can't wait to watch that. (laughs) (laughs) What's it called, Robert? (laughs) (laughs) Seeing Allred. People have seen it. People like it. The Netflix description of the movie, which we all know is short, follows the fierce woman's rights attorney's lifelong crusade for justice taking on high-profile sexual misconduct cases against Bill Cosby, Herman Cain, and Donald Trump, and going to bat for women in the O.J. Simpson and Scott Peterson trials. It sounds very interesting. Gloria yeah. Allred's cool. My mom once sat next to Gloria Allred on a plane. Oh, yeah. There's a note in here that says, um, my mom's all right. <laughs> 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 it's true. It's She would want me to mention that. Next week oh. is our movie club. Right. This year we're talking about two movies at once, which is, if there's anything that Jay and I can both do, it's do two things at once. We'll be talking about uh, the films <laughs> Carol and Call Me By Your Name. So if you have not seen either of those movies, please watch them before next week's episode. There will be spoilers galore, and we will be diving really deep into it. And also, if you have seen those films, you know, maybe watch them. Watch them again. <laughs> I have to stop telling you about <laughs> Otherwise, thank you to Birthday Girl Tessa, 440 Studios, Megan Burnett, Stephanie Hawkins, Van Barnes, Trace Lizette, and Anthony Rapp. And to our Patreons out there for keeping us going and kicking. We have some cool stuff coming. So if you want to go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash one more thing. Um, We've had a Patreon page for 
Over a year? <laughs> yep. I almost called it One Last Thing because there's that movie that's coming out called One oh, Last yeah. Thing and I haven't stopped thinking about it. Maybe our Rose McGowan show will be a Patreon-only content. Can we do an entire live show that's just, just Rose McGowan? We will. Okay, we so everybody, we're, we're now replacing <laughs> Leah Michelle with... With Rose McGowan? <laughs> Rose McGowan. <laughs> Let's take her down. <laughs> it worked once. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Monday, topic episode. Tuesday, pose recap. Wednesday, Rose McGowan cereal. Thursday, we take a nap. Friday, one last thing. A much needed nap.